am King Talky Cheeky. Hey, Flanders. Can your god do that? <laughs> Actually, Homer, you and I worship the same god. So Irregardless, I am your god now. Welcome to Radio Irregardless, your non-standard blend of irrespective and regardless. Now please welcome to the Internet Airwaves. Really? Internet Airwaves? It's, it's okay, you can just do it. It's just, just say Internet Airwaves, it sounds really cool. Alright, sorry, I'm just... Internet Airwaves. Okay then, please welcome to the Internet Airwaves, your host, Mark Scalia. And welcome to Radio Irregardless with me, your host, Mark Scalia. It has been a fun time. This is your non-standard blend of irrespective and regardless. And thank you for joining me either through my website, markscalia.com, or the online chatting uh, environment known as Mixler, M-I-X-L-R.com. And we are, again, your non-standard blend of irrespective and regardless. And we broadcast live every single week or best we can before we go to break um and i've had to i've had to a conversation with a few people about hey uh, how's your podcast going and i'm like it is not a podcast people it is live internet radio which is different than a podcast and that's what i try to explain to people it's very much different a podcast is something that you can download at your leisure um but live radio is live it's you can only be on it when when it's on i mean you can only be listening when it's on uh my mistake uh i'm actually doing one other thing so i'm a little distracted just at the moment i'm putting in some things in the chat line so let's do this so i can uh do this right away i've been meaning to not super twitter (laughs) so that's what i'm trying to not do um but yeah this is a live broadcast it's live um the show is archived for a week uh but unfortunately or fortunately you have to use um internet data to listen through it through your phone or tablet or through the computer um but uh, i am in the process of uploading some of the older shows and quote-unquote podcast form uh, and I'm trying to figure out different venues either through my website you can download them once or through iTunes or through a quote-unquote third party I'm doing a lot of air quotes tonight I don't know what's happening so I started I opened up a, a bottle of harpoon IPA and I had a really good meal so the beer isn't actually working <laughs> I wish I had wine. Uh, it's one of those. It's like, you know, it's a fall night. You know, some, it's a fall night and it feels that way. It's been raining all day. And, you know, it's, let's, you know, some, let's just do it. Let's just start right off the bat with the happening now monologue. Everything that happens now is happening now. What happened to then? That's the when? Just now. We're at now now. Go back to then. When? Now. Now? Now. I can't. Why? We missed it. When? Just now. When will then be now? 
<laughs> it's so soon, it's now. Uh, this is the Happening Now monologue where I get to vent a little bit, do a little bit of a uh, uh, catch up in the week. Things have been happening. And again, as I mentioned, it has been raining. It's a fall day. Fall is in the air. And it's, uh, it's, it's getting closer to that time. The leaves are starting to fall, change color, drop on the ground. I got a rake. Fuck. That's how that works. So, And it is uh, October 1st. And Salem, Massachusetts, which can mean only one thing. Freak shows coming out at night. And I live here. And it's like every night's a party. But uh, I've actually had a couple uh, late fall cancellations in my uh, comedy and uh, acting world, which... Uh, I, I, you know, it's fall. It happens. Uh, but I put out my last, my last minute uh, uh, emails about, hey, I'm still not working. If you need me, uh, and I'm planning. I actually got some bookings for February, and you think, well, the February's right, been a long way away. But for a comedian, it's actually not. Six months is, is nothing in the life of a comedian. <laughs> Not really. Um, And I actually been getting a lot of calls. A lot of films are actually coming through Boston. And I've gotten a calls, uh, several calls from Boston Casting, uh, CP Casting, uh, just a lot of casting companies in general for looking for background work. And I'm not a prima donna by any stretch of the imagination. I'll go wherever the work is. My whole thing is I never really wanted to do background work because I did it once or twice or three times. And... It's just, it's not fun. People go, oh, you're in a movie. Like, here's an example. I did background work last Thursday. It was an overnighter at Fenway Park. Uh, The, I believe the Tampa Ray, Tampa Ray Deverways, whatever their name is, uh, they were playing Red Sox and the Red Sox are completely out of the fucking scenario. But uh, I got to stand in and stand in work. And that's what I was doing. I was standing in, which for people who don't know, a stand in takes the place of the principal actor, the star of the movie, so that the star of the movie does not waste their time sitting there where they adjust lights and move the camera and things like that. Essentially, I am a fluffer. <laughs> That's, that was my job. Um, in the movie that I stand, I stood in, stood in, stand in, the movie I was did, I, I can kind of say it, but I kind of can't. Uh, I, I, don't, I can't say the new movie, but... Um, John Slattery is in it. So I got to see, I'm like, oh my God, it's Roger from, from Mad Men and, uh, John Ruffalo. So I'm like, oh my God, it's the Hulk. Uh, so, and I don't get, I don't get starstruck very much, but I really like, uh, Roger Sterling on Mad Men and John Slattery is from Boston. So, uh, it was kind of cool seeing him and he didn't have any airs. He was just like, whatever. And Mark Ruffalo was taking pictures with everybody. I mean, not the cast and crew, but certainly any, all the civilians, uh, Fenway Park. So that was kind of fun because I wasn't an animated lamp standing around doing nothing. As a matter of fact, I actually only stood in a few times only for the reason that John Slattery, Ruflo, and a couple of the other principals wanted to watch the whole fucking Red Sox game. So from essentially 7 o'clock till about 11, I did absolutely nothing. And, you know, they just watched the game and drank beer. It's like, it's, you know, it's kind of fun working like that. But I did realize... um, one thing, Slattery is, I think, 53, and everybody's like, oh, he looks a little old for that. And Ruffalo is, I think, oh, a little younger than me, about my age. Uh, and these guys are in great shape. And the other day, I tripled up, which I posted on, uh, I did a, a gig in Salem in the morning. And then I did a uh, children's birthday party, I'm bragging, as Darth Vader. <laughs> so, which was actually kind of fun. And now Darth Vader's following me on Twitter. 
which is fucked up. But you know, it's all those disclaimers not associated with the Lucas, you know, character at all. Um, but as I was, as I went from one gig to another, I went to the gym and I took a quick shower, and they have, which I think is a horrible idea, a full length ceiling to floor, wall to wall mirror. Now. I don't know if anyone's looked at themselves lately in a floor to ceiling, wall to wall mirror, but I have. Yeah, you know, I don't know what the fuck happened. I really don't. Like, I look in the mirror at home and I'm like, eh, it could be better, could be worse. But it was just, it was all kinds of not pleasant. And I don't understand. <laughs> it actually made me feel terribly upset for my wife. Um, I'm like, thank God. Oh, God. I, I would not fuck him. I just. <laughs> I just couldn't. I just, I mean, you know, I have a hard time masturbating at this point forward now. It's just, I'm like, ah, no, no, it's okay. I'm all set. I'm so, <laughs> so over the winter, I have made my commitment that I am actually going to, uh, I'm going to really get in better shape and I'm, I'm entertaining things like Pilates um, which like, I want to, I want to go to like a basic Pilates. I don't want to go to this, you know, hot yoga, these fucking insaniacs. I don't want to go crazy over that. I just want to try it. I mean, it looks like it's all right. And I could use some core work. Um, and by core, I mean like the top of my head to my fucking feet. That's <laughs> and anything in between. So that's the stuff that I'm working on. So I, I wish you all the best because I know it's tough. You got to watch. It's not even, to me, it's not even a health thing. I think I'm in pretty good health. But, you know, the look of what I, you know, I want to be in better. Uh, yeah. Gonna, gonna, well, hold on a second. Kim Santo just wrote, gonna wail on your tries, buys, and pecs. Yeah. And there's a lot more. There's the abs, the delts, uh, the glutes. Um, actually, the glutes aren't bad. I got to say, it's the stuff just above the glutes that I'm not a fan of. Uh, so I got to work on that. Uh, but I wish you all the best, especially in fall, because we tend to be less active. And with the with the colder winter, especially in New England, we don't do anything. Um, we're very sedentary lifestyle in general. But certainly in New England in, in the uh, in the fall, like unless you're chasing kids around for a trick or treat or you're a pedophile and you got a van, you got to be active um, or both. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to judge, um, but if you got, you got to stay in shape and it's, and it's tough. So that's my goal to, to get in better shape um, and to, to look better and coincidentally, or, uh, you know, feel better, I guess. So that's what I got going on. So with that, what do you say now? This is, this is going to be fun. I've changed some stuff up for you people who are my regular listeners. And if you're not one of the regular listeners, thank you for joining and trying us on, um, and it tends to be a little, it gets a little faster. But this is where I get to interact with my audience by playing this week in movie history, new ultimate theme. Yes, this week in movie history, ultimate theme, because now I play the, I play it in the background now, and I have all the movie themes. So uh, I'm not going to go to too many clips, I'm just going to rip right through it. This week in movie history, in 1919, the Chicago White Sox lose Game 4 of the World Series, and that's from the movie Eight Men Out. This week in movie history, 1933... 
Frank, Frank, Frank Bennett is killed trying to kidnap his and Ruth's baby. I'll give you a second for that one. You might, you might figure that one out. I'll, I'll give you a second on that one. Peter Appleton, uh, in 1945, Peter Appleton attends the Bread Instead of Bullets Club to impress a girl. That is from the movie The Majestic. In 1951, Sonny approaches the toll booth on the causeway. And here's what I'm going to do. I'll give you this one. See if you can count the bullets, by the way. And guess the movie. Yeah, that's a lot of bullets. But to insult to injury, let's some more. And the kick. <laughs> he kicks him after he's gone. Uh, that was uh, 1951, The Godfather. Uh, and the one that I gave you a minute on that was uh, Fried Green Tomatoes, where um, <laughs> uh, Frank Bennett is, tried, uh, is killed trying to kidnap Ruth's baby. Uh, 1986, a coded message that Hannibal Lecter wrote is discovered. That's from the movie Manhunter. Here's one for my uh, sci-fi people. In uh, this week in movie history, 1998, Ash and his Oldsmobile are sent to the Middle Ages. <laughs> I'll let you. And another one for my sci-fi people. In 2004, Wayland Industries satellites detect a heat bloom in Antarctica. That is that was right. Army of Darkness. Uh, actually, no, wrong. That is uh, Evil Dead Two. He shows up. Uh, he shows up in the uh, you know. <laughs> he shows up in the Army of Darkness is in the movie after that, but he gets sent back with Evil Dead Two. Uh, and this week in movie history in 2005, Andy and Trish have their seventh date, the 40 year old virgin. In 2008, all humans but one are blind by the white blindness. And I gave that movie to you. It's The name of the movie is called Blindness, of all things. Uh, and this week, and finally, last but certainly not least, in this week in movie history, in the year 2012, Marty Higgins <laughs> wins the congressional debate against Cam Brady, who accidentally punches a baby. Bizarre news coming out of the 14th District Congressional Race in North Carolina. Now get this. Cam Brady, four-time congressman, punched a baby. This is likely to hurt him with the Christian right, social conservatives, really any group that opposes baby punching. Baby is fine, and he said he punches like a three-year-old. After Cam Brady's baby punching incident, Marty Huggins has jumped 11 points in the polls. That is, that is totally taken out of contact is anyone asking how my hand feels after punching that iron like jaw of that baby i wish i could go out and punch that baby again <laughs> i gotta say i really enjoyed the movie the campaign i'm gonna punch that baby <laughs> i think you should say everything in a uh, a southern or midwestern accent and it's funny I'm, I'm i'm gonna punch that baby i'm gonna punch that baby right there i'm gonna punch him <laughs> With an iron-like jaw, that baby. 
sorry all right listeners we only lost one guest we have three more listening and this is where the guests the new people along with our old uh get to try a um uh, a game and i've played this before but only once and only with my uh on on air listeners never with my online chatters so this is going to be good how about we play you want to see something really scary you want to play here's what we do I play, I can't play it because I have the theme and then I have the other thing and I've got the theme and intertwined with it. And we're going to play this very much like we played one of our other games um, where I'm going to play a uh, 52 second clip, including the theme and the ending. And there are five movies within the clip and you have to guess what all five movies are. And here's the thing. You have to type them in the chat line. Don't type them in one at a time. Type them all in and then hit enter or return whatever the key actually says to you because if you put them in uh, one at a time then you give the other online listeners a chance to actually guess the movies before you do so ladies and gentlemen if you are ready let's play you want to see something scary you want to see something really scary all right here we go I like to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? I'm afraid! Don't be afraid! No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. <laughs> Don't think about doing it, Lewis. The place is evil. Sometimes that is better. They're coming! They're coming! Yes, so see if you got them. It's tough. It's tough. And I could play that again for you if you like. Uh, But I have to skip through most of the... Here we go. Here we go. I like to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? (laughs) I'm afraid! Don't be afraid! No. Be afraid. I like to dissect girls. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Don't think about doing it, Lewis. Don't think about doing it, Lewis. It's evil. It's evil. Sometimes dead is better. Sometimes dead is better. They're coming. They're coming. They're squawking, too. And, of course. Seven days. Ah. So, let's see what our listening audience has come up with. Um, Yes. Kim... Kim got Pet Cemetery and The Ring. That was three and five. Uh, American Psycho, Pet Cemetery, The Ring and the Birds. Yeah, you're just missing one of them. Uh, it's the one, be afraid, be very afraid. Let's see, Aliens. <laughs> no, no, not Aliens. It was actually, oh, I'm going to give it one more. Not Cat's Eye, no, not at all. Uh, American Psycho is correct. Nobody's getting the second one. The second one is the tough one. Well, be afraid. Yeah, be very afraid. But the second one is uh, remained um, a nameless. Pet Cemetery is correct. The birds and then uh, the ring. Very close. So nobody got the second one. And, of course, that was the fly 
from 1986. So because nobody got it right, you get this. That was scary. Yeah, that was scary. If you got it right, it would play you this. You don't scare me. I got chunks of guys like you in my stool. Yeah. <laughs> no winners for the for the home game. Unbelievable. No winners for that one. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that is how we play. You want to see something really scary. And what I'm going to do is because it's October 1st and I'm in Salem, Massachusetts, the scary Halloween-y type thing, every single time, every single Thursday, uh, Wednesday, excuse me, of this month, I will be playing Want to See Something Scary with my listening audience. And we have kind of a theme, maybe kind of a theme going on for the whole month. <laughs> and we'll, uh, we'll get to all that. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't seen the name of the show, look right now. And the name of the show is, where is it? (laughs) I put it somewhere. I don't know where I put it. Son of a bitch. Oh, yeah. Tonight's show is a real page turner. Uh, Because joining me in uh, only a few moments will be J.T. Turner, actor extraordinaire, uh, one of uh, my very good friends uh, in the acting business. And I actually don't say that for a lot of people, but he's coming on, so I got to say it for him. But when we come back, you are going to get to chat it up with J.T. Turner. And uh, you are listening to Radio Irregardless. This is your non-standard blend of irrespective and regardless. And I'm your host, Mark Scalia. We'll be right back. Coming to Salem this October. His visions outrageous. His predictions outlandish. His knowledge of the future is both ridiculous and benign. He is the world-renowned psychic. He is the hysterical medium at large, Charlatan. Appearing October 9th, 16th, 23rd, and 30th. Just go to gallowshillsalem.com and click the psychic show link. Hi, this is Mike Atrobus, and you are listening to Radio Irregular. I don't know. Irregardless, there it is, with Mark Scalia. Scalia? Is it Scalia? Is it Scalia? Who the hell knows? Yeah, I don't even know why I'm on here. I obviously have nothing better to do, but you know what? Mark's a good guy, so screw it. Listen, you might have a good time. To leave a question or comment, call the Radio Irregardless hotline at 978-219-9294. And you're back listening to Radio Irregardless with me, your host, Mark Scalia. And joining me via the phone, aforementioned actor extraordinaire, J.T. Turner. J.T., say hi to my listening audience, if you would. Hi there, listening audience. Great to be with you. Great to be with you, Mark. It's great to be with you. And, uh, of course, you're well-trained because I said say hi to my listening audience. And you said exactly hi to my listening audience, which is (laughs) awesome. So, you know, you give me a line, I'm going to deliver it with all the gusto I can. So the, that, that's, that's, my, <laughs> that's my methodology. You are a professional actor. Yes, you are. <laughs> and speaking of professional actor, tell my listening audience a little about you, and then we'll delve into how we know each other and things like that. But uh, you are a, a phenomenal actor, and not just an actor, director, writer, narrator. You go through the resume because I've forgotten it all. There are so many of me, and just you, Mark. I, I, I feel like I'm overwhelming your show in point of fact. I feel bad about that. I, I feel bad about that. But, I um, I well, as, as you mentioned, I am an actor, a professional actor. I do a lot of work on stage in the 
Boston area, and I also do work on film, and I do a lot of voiceover work. I do a lot of work for PBS. I do a lot of books on tape and things like that. I also run a couple of theater companies. I have a theater company called Moonlight Productions, which we use as an outreach towards kids and teens and do multi-generational shows. And I have a small acting studio in Ipswich, Massachusetts. Massachusetts, the Actors Company, and uh, I do all sorts of things out of there. I teach acting, I coach people who are auditioning, and I help people who are uncomfortable speaking in public, things like that. So, And I do a bit of writing. I write um, a lot of my own material. I have quite a few one-man shows that I tour with to, uh, to fill in the time between working on other people's things. <laughs> wait, so, wait, uh, wait a minute. Hold yeah. on. Hold on. Hold on a second. Yes. yes, you, yes. You, you you do writing to fill in the time. What what extra fucking time do you have? <laughs> I'm exhausted listening to your resume, man. That's crazy. You know, it's funny. I, I, people say that to me all the time. But as you fully well know, this is the sort of life where you have to love the hustle, right? You have to. An yeah. actor is always thinking about the next role, the next project. Project. The next thing you're going to do, it's uh, it's one of those funny things where even if I've got a couple shows lined up in the distant future, I'm always thinking, uh, well, what do I do after that? What do I do yeah. after that? So uh, I think we can drive ourselves crazy with that thinking, but maybe that explains me to a T now that I, <laughs> now that I, now that I vocalize it. Mark, thank you for this therapy session because it is very helpful for the, me. People have called me the, uh, the Italian Dr. Phil. I don't know... <laughs> But see, the Italians are these, are these real people, or no. are you just hearing the voices? Yeah, no, we've the... talked about this. You, yeah, <laughs> I like the voices; they compliment me quite a bit. And and I don't mean they compliment me, meaning they complete me. They compliment me, meaning saying, "Don't worry, Mark, you're not fucking crazy." That's what they say to me. And who right. who am I not to listen to those voices? I mean, they're taking That's up right. they're taking up real estate inside my head. I might as well use them. So. Look, they're putting in time, you know, adoring the person you love. You may as well pay a little bit of attention. Right. A lot of people's voices tell them to kill people and hurt people. <laughs> Mine just go, look, everybody's an asshole. Just take care of yourself. I mean, I don't see yeah. what's wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I may have to borrow your voices every now and again, uh, because uh, that sounds pretty good. That well, pretty good. The, I, I, I don't think you need that. I mean, first of all, you got an amazing resume. You do an amazing body of work. I actually went to your website, uh, which is www.jtturner.org, which I didn't know you could get an org unless you were an organization. Well, you know. <laughs> I mean, can you? I don't know. How long know. has it been since you've had an org, Mark? You can tell me, it, it, Mark. It, it, it's okay. Look, this is this is your therapy session, not mine. Okay. <laughs> I'm a dot com. I feel bad for dot nets. But I am an organization unto myself. It's you, true. <laughs> it's true. But you do. I, I I went to the website and you have a, a bunch of uh, different YouTube things, and uh, yeah. you you have uh, you do the Polar Express narration. Uh, oh. I, I did. I've done that for a few years at a few different venues, and it's just a terrific time. You know, when when the book first came out, I loved the book. And then as a fundraiser, the author of the book allowed people, um, as long as they properly advertised it, they could have a public reading of it. And then right after that, of course, they, they show the movie. And um, at a couple of the events I've been to, it's been, 
you know, uh, kids have been greeted at, at the door by the conductors and had their tickets punched and it's hot oh. chocolate. Everybody gets to show up in their pajamas, including the narrator, I'm happy to say. Pajamas and oh. your bathrobes, and it's just a terrific event. And uh, places have done really pretty well with it. it it's it slowed down a little bit. Uh, there's a couple companies that like, we'll do it on an actual train now and that sort of thing. But I had a blast when I was doing it. It's, um, it's just, I love working with kids anyway and having that kind of an audience and working on that great, great material uh, was just a treat. Well, your narration of it is—it's. I mean, you you do that, and you do also you do characters char- characters within. So it's not just you reading yeah. the book. You do some of that, and then you do other narrations where you're fully involved. Almost, uh, you know, you do characterizations of it. You do a one man show, uh, the, a one man Christmas Carol. Do you actually? I do. I do. Now, yeah. now this is my question for that. Um, yeah. I've heard. I've heard slash seen other people do things, and where they actually read because Dickens used to do this. Dickens, yes, exactly. Used right. to exactly right. like a traveling salesman used to go out yeah. and read. He used to narrate his own book to yep. to make yep. money. Is yep. that is that what you do? Um, to, make <laughs> to make money. To make money. Oh, I'm supposed to make money. Yeah. I have got to talk to my people about this. Uh, oh, wait, I don't have any. That's right. Um, the, uh, you're absolutely right. Dickens used to tour, and he would usually do um, a cutting of it. Or at Christmas time, he would do his own cutting of it and he would he would read it and mm-hmm. i love dickens i love that story it's just as you well know because you work on that story every year yes, uh, yes. it's just a tremendous uh, story of uh, reclamation and for me i wanted to combine the narrative with the with the dramatic so i do it from memory i do uh it lasts about hour and 20 minutes or something like that and i don't do the entire book i you know it's my cutting my cutting is actually very similar to dickens but mm-hmm. i play all the characters and i do it all from memory so i don't do it as a reading i bring a little more of the actor into it and you know dickens was probably a little busier than 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 i am so uh, i could <laughs> to, to do that he uh, and uh, I probably don't make what he made with his readings, but I love doing it. And well, you know, it's funny. I've been for the past five years now. I've had the great honor of working on a production of A Christmas Carol at the North Shore Music Theater. Yeah. Oh it's wow! I did not know flashy, that. Flashy um, explosions, people flying through the air, cast of about forty of us. I think when all is is said and done. And uh, a tremendous, wonderful cast. And I play Fezziwig every year, and I've had a blast doing uh, that. And that show, anybody in the North Shore area who's gone to it, it's like a tradition, right? You take your family there every year. Yes. And it's big and wonderful. And I also, at the same time, on my off nights, do my one-man version, and that's in much smaller venues. And it's usually just me in a chair doing the whole thing. Um but it still works. It still works whether it's the big extravaganza mm-hmm. or whether it's it's the sort of solo intimate show. And that, that just uh, talks about how great the piece is and what a wonderful story it is. Well, the now, thing, there's a, there's a couple things I wanted to touch on. Uh, first yeah. of all, you said that you, uh, Dickens was busier than you and probably making more money. But with the cost of living, it's probably breaking even. That's, a, <laughs> <laughs> that's the first thing. 
The second thing I wanted to touch on, which I actually talked to uh, a couple, um, I hate to say it like this, Dickens aficionados, which yes. sound, which sounds kind of dirty, but it's not. Yes. Um, but and, and this is something I didn't know until I actually started playing uh, Scrooge uh, for the Salem trolley, is I yes. actually did, you actually have to do some research. It's not just the story, it's where the story came from. And yes. from yes. what I understand is the original story mm. um, before... Um, a Christmas Carol. It was based on a character named Gabriel Grubb, who was a grave digger, who was mm-hmm. digging a grave on Christmas Eve, and he was very happy about it. Like he was the most miserable person, um, and he was uh, essentially visited by ghosts and you know spirits within the grave mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. So that was the you know, and that story still exists somewhere, and I I I, I have not found it. Um, Interesting, but, yeah. But that's the impetus for. Scrooge and the entire story where, you know, Gabriel Grubb actually has some type of redemption. Certainly it's not the classic because it's, you know, it's not, but it's his own work. And he, I think he wrote it like a few years before. Yeah, or, now that you're describing it, yes, I, and I kind of know what you're talking about. And the, the title of it just blew out of my mind. It's something like the Sexton and the Gremlins or the Gravedigger and, and something. But I have heard about that. Yeah. And um, I, I think you're right. The, um, you know, the background to the story, how Dickens wrote it in a relatively short amount of time, how he, he actually wrote this particular story after visiting a bunch of um, uh, a bunch of different businesses where there was child labor involved. And he just felt so um, angered by what he saw. And he wanted to do something to remind people what Christmas was about. Because in Dickens' times, the things he relates in Christmas Carol, a lot of that was passe. A lot of that was was, was gone by. Hmm. And it was really a combination of, of Dickens and his amazing story. And, and you know, uh, the Queen, who had a German husband, who brought over a Christmas tree for Christmas time and all that sort of thing that really revived Christmas. Right. Because England before that was, was a very dour place. The uh, the Puritans had, had and uh, the, the Reformation had done away with a lot of uh, the festivities, and he was really very key in bringing a lot of Christmas back to Christmas. It, and it's uh, my my uh, my affection for uh, a Christmas Carol, and I can remember it literally like it was yesterday. Yeah. I was in fourth grade, and my my teacher at the time, I think his name was Mahoney. Um, we actually read it. And he read some. He actually read it to us. We all got mm-hmm. copies, and he read it to us. And it's, I mean, maybe it's because I was I was young and in fourth grade, so I was probably, I don't know, eleven. No, I'm sorry, probably younger than that, probably eight or nine. Um, and it's so visual. It's just the way in the original writing is just so. Yeah. It's 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 right. It's painting. It's it's so colorful. And it's just brilliant. And to find out that he wrote it as quick as he did, yeah, you know, it's it's just it's fascinating. It's just completely fascinating. Yeah, the the story uh, Dickens himself is just you know I could go on forever. I just love him, love his work, his life, his um, you know, uh, uh, amazing, amazing mm-hmm. writing. And one of the things I tried to do with my one man show of it is exactly what you're talking about. I wanted to keep some of that delicious narrative. And still the great characters, because he writes some terrific dialogue. Right. But um, the narrative as well, and, and hang on to that. 
Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, uh, being in fourth grade and reading it. The woman who talked to me after a presentation I did of it one year, who in her family, the habit was the four nights before Christmas, because, you know, ostensibly the, the story takes place over four nights. Um, their dad would read them each stave, each section of it. Right. So he... You know, the opening, the first ghost, the second ghost, the, the the third ghost, the summation, and they would spread it out that way. And it was, you know, very much a part of their Christmas tradition, which I thought was great. Right. Well, you know, that's something you, it's very interesting. In the original, in, when you read the book, it does take place over a few days, but everybody yep. is now, you know, kind of adapted it to where if you say, oh, it happened, it happens in one night. It does. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. but the book, the way it's written, it happens over it. It, it happens over a few days. Well, in in the book, Scrooge believes it happens over a number of days. Right. Um, right. In fact, when he's with the Ghost of Christmas Present, he thinks weeks have gone by because right. they wind up with the ghost getting old at at about um, you know at January sixth or something like that because they're leaving a children's Twelfth Night party, and it's only when he wakes up that he magically it realizes, oh, no, it was one night. It was, right. Even though, you know, in my dreams, I've, you know, been living for weeks and weeks and weeks with these ghosts. It turns out to be just the one night. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and, um, and we're going to, I, I want to move on to the next subject, too, because um, nobody wants to spend a lot of time on Dickens. <laughs> we we I, apparently do. Yes. We, we, nobody <laughs> likes long Dickens. Uh, everybody's, get, we got to, everybody's, we got to favor the short Dickens. Are we, uh, <laughs> are we not being paid by the word? I thought <laughs> we were being paid by the word. <laughs> paid by the word. But not just uh, with um, a lot of uh, Charles Dickens, but you actually do um, uh, a, a Benjamin Franklin reading and a Robert Frost as well. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about and those. I, I, you know, I really enjoy looking at people's lives and bringing them to life. And the Robert Frost piece is newest to me, and I'm most excited about that right now. I've done it for about three years. You know, when Robert, if you ask most people who their favorite poet is, even people that don't like poetry will pick Robert Frost because he just has such a great conversational tone. Hmm. But when you dig into his poems a little deeper, there, there, there's some tremendous, tremendous levels there. Yeah. And I wanted the opportunity to kind of talk about him and talk about his life. He had a uh, really fascinating life, really tragic life, very sad life, and that's reflected in a lot of his poetry. When he died, unfortunately, he had picked his own biographer, and um, <laughs> the biographer hated him uh, pretty much, and and wrote this terrible biography, which was ill-researched and painted Robert Frost in this really negative, grumpy, mean-spirited light, and it's only <laughs> over the last... Um, you know, eight or nine years that new books, new biographers have come forth and a much more even-handed portrayal of who Robert Frost is. So when I started working on, on the poetry, I thought at first, well, I do it as a reading and talk about poems. And just over time it developed, I really wanted to speak in Robert Frost's voice. Mm. So um, I do it first person. I did it just a couple weeks ago. Uh, talk, talk about... Um, one of those great moments in your life, I was invited up to the Robert Frost Farm in Derry, New Hampshire, to uh, do the piece, and, and we had, you know, capacity crowd. Mm. Not that it, not, not that it's a huge space, but capacity crowd there, 
And, um, yeah, I, I presented it right there in Robert Frost's home, which is that farm is where most of his first three books of poetry came from wow. and influenced his poetry throughout his life. So to actually be in the space and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to go on. I'm, I'm warming up. I'm standing in Robert Frost's living room, sitting in his chair, waiting to go on. It was... Uh, it was a pretty wonderful thing. <laughs> so that, for me, I don't know. There's something that um, literary characters, uh, historical characters, just uh, have a resonance with me. So Benjamin Franklin, um, who is a tremendous writer, tremendous producer of uh, mm. volumes of work, and just a scientist and such a Renaissance man, and, and really the first American. And Dickens and, and Robert Frost and C.S. Lewis as well, who's another... Yeah, that's another one of my favorites. Character that I do a, a, a one-man show about. So I'm, I just seem to be drawn to those kinds of characters, and I, I really enjoy performing as them. Well, you and I met... We 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 started. Uh, I start. I met you through a company which will remain nameless. Um, <laughs> he who shall not be named on my radio station. Um, right. <laughs> um, but we met and uh, we did some work together and a couple did, little yeah. corporate work and some public shows. And then you actually directed one of the public murder mysteries that we did, which was actually a lot of fun. Um, yeah. So you've, yeah. you've gone on not just to direct, but to teach, do all these do's, the one man show. You're very busy. You're just very busy. And uh, do you do film work as well or just all live stuff? You Are you the I, stage I actor the or the film actor? Yep, I do do film work as well. I'm a member of the Screen Actors Guild. And I can't say that I have a, a, a giant body of... Um, <laughs> I, I, I do have we're, a giant body. We're, wait, wait, we're back onto the Dickens. <laughs> <laughs> now we're talking a about giant body of work. Yes. There, that's the rest of that thing <laughs> um, in the film world. But I do, do I do a lot of background work, and as, as as you know, here in New England, with all those great tax breaks, mm. we're uh, we're uh, we're we're blessed with the opportunity to work on a bunch of films when they come by, and I enjoy it. I just love the process of working on film and, and you do as well i know you you work on films and um, yeah i actually yeah. i i prefer to work on indies and i've become more of a behind the behind the camera guy i mean yeah i mean we've worked together and and you know I, I would consider myself a very a decent actor i've improved and blah 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 but even when i teach or or i'm doing anything i'm a i'm director first and yeah. that's how i approach roles that's how i approach you know sets and cameras things like that but I actually yeah, like I'm it. Gonna, in I'm back going to interrupt you there and say that you're a terrific actor. Oh, thank you. You are a terrific guy. I have directed you. you. And <laughs> one of the shows we worked on, you actually played two roles, I depending did. on whether or not I could show up for a show. So <laughs> you, you were great. Which were in and, Salem, uh, by the I, way. Uh, Those shows I, were in I, Salem. It was in Salem. Both shows in Salem. Yeah. That's right. And you just did um, a, a terrific job Thank with you. both characterizations. They were so clear and so distinct. So having directed you, I can say oh. you're a pleasure to work with and don't don't sell yourself short. See, that's, that's thank you. I appreciate it. For <laughs> JT Turner condones my life. <laughs> See, this is when we keep uh, kissing up to each other's dickens. Uh, and, right. <laughs> and on that note, I'll tell you what, JT, <laughs> we're going to go to break and when we come back, uh, I will ask you this. I want you to ponder this along with my listening audience. Okay. Um, JT, you, you have a vast... Uh, experience and a creativity with acting and directing and filming it, but I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna let you sit this during the break. Let's see how you go, see how 
Let's try that again. Let's see how good you are at music. So I'm going to let that sit. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Radio Irregardless with me, your host, Mark Scalia. We shall be right back. From 1981 to 1992, saxophone usage in songs were 9 out of 10. However, since 1993, modern-day songs featuring saxophones have decreased 87%. Because of this, most of today's saxophones have been abandoned, and some, homeless. At United Saxophone Usage of America, we provide songs for saxophones. We have made substantial progress, but we need your help. For just pennies a day, you can help these instruments desperately in need. Meet Kenny. He used to be a very popular sax and even made it into concert halls in multiple countries and in dozens of songs. Falling on tough times, he performs in adult films. Thanks to your contributions, he is playing in the rendition of Greece for the Robin Kowalski Middle School. Our mission at USUA is to get saxophone usage back to what it was over two decades ago. Please give to the United Saxophone Usage of America, because we can all use a little more sax. Hello, it's Tracy Jane. Ah, you should be listening to Mark Scalia on Radio Irregardless every single chance that you get. And hey, what, the Irregardless, is that like your Italian thing? Is that like a not for nothing or I mean no disrespect? Hey, listen to Radio Irregardless. And you are back at Radio Way Regardless with me, your host, Mark Scalia. And joining me via the phone is amazing actor, director, star of everything he touches, the Midas actor, in fact, <laughs> J.T. Turner. And uh, J.T., as you might have heard during a commercial break, the U.S. Yes, I did, the, and I love it. <laughs> that's the U.S.U.A., the United Saxophone Usage of America. And, wow. Uh, and saxophones, just they're underutilized. They really are. And every time I play a saxophone solo, I get a quarter because I, I helped to raise the uh, the awareness. Um, and uh, coincidentally, we are going to be playing uh, – see, we're going to test your musical knowledge. Uh, oh, golly. Okay. And, and we're going to play Sounds Like Sax to Me. <laughs> yes. Sounds Like Sax to Me, where I play a saxophone solo from the Ow. 80s, the, uh, the 60s, 70s, 80s, or 90s, back going back 20, 30, even 40 years. And you have to see if you can guess the song. And because saxophones oh. really aren't used that much too much. Um, and these can be saxophones from almost any decade. Um, and I, I, I tend okay. to not go all the way back to the 50s, but usually 60s, mostly 70s, 80s. 80s got a ton of saxophone. Saxophone was like, you played saxophone, you got laid. That's the way it was in the 80s. <laughs> and I was, uh, I was uh, 14. So there we go. <laughs> so, there you are. There you are. Oh, I just figured out my wife's cat is in the room with me and I got the door closed. All right, here's what we're going to do. You're going to have to wait a second till you start pulling at the door, cat. Anyway, uh, so are you decent at um, at guessing songs? Do you- oh, God. 
golly, I, I, I guess we'll find out. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm okay. <laughs> okay. I, I will, I will never win. You know, name that tune or anything like that. So I, I'm now I'm filled with fear that I'm going to fail miserably. At well, this, so. here, here's the thing. Most of the time, uh, all my guests, my last week's guest, uh, got uh, four out of five. The guest wow. before that got four out of five. The guest before that got zero out of <laughs> out of five. Okay. So you're actually playing against now my listening audience through my website markscalia.com can only listen yeah. they cannot participate in this game oh, but my oh. online listeners which yeah. are are number in, numbered in the six <laughs> so, <laughs> what they can do is they pool their resources so you're you're vying against six candidates who may wow. or may not these songs now but here's the advantage you do have Okay. You, you and I are speaking via the telephone, so our conversation is in, almost instantaneous. I yeah, say, you yeah. hear, you say, I hear. I play, yeah. you hear, and things like that. The listening audience has the disadvantage of listening through the internet, which means they could be on anywhere from a three to a ten second delay. Ah, so, ah, okay. But, but the did, disadvantage you have is that there are six of them and one of you, so... <laughs> Six of them, one of me, and it's musical quiz. It's musical okay. quiz. So I'll, I'll tell you what. It would be something uh, here. I'll give you. I'll give you a thing. Uh, let's see. I will play this for you. If I were to play, say, uh, this song. Now, do you know this song? I have no. Uh, is it? Uh, wait, wait. Is it Super Freak? It is Super Freak. See, that's all right. A, thank see? God. Just a little bit right at the end. I was like, oh wait, wait, wait. That's Super Freak. Yeah. That's Super Freak. See, that's how easy it is, JT. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Famous yeah. last yeah. words. All right. Yeah. Thank so, you. So here's what we got. Uh, now, uh, listening audience, are you ready to play? Sounds like sax to me. Just type in that you're ready, and if you're ready, we're ready. So nobody's typed in. So I guess uh, I guess I'm ready. JT, are you ready? I I I'm so incredibly ready for this. All right, here we go. Here's right. your first. This is 23 seconds worth worth of saxophone. Here we go. Okay. Oh, you got this one. This one's easy. We haven't played this game in a while either. Oh, boy. (laughs) Any ideas? That That one was easy. It really was. Was it really easy? I'm trying to. I, it's and uh, of course it sounds familiar. Yes. Um, it? Yeah, it's not coming to me. It's, it's not. <laughs> well, you still have a chance because the audience hasn't done anything. You actually have to name the artist and the song. I meant to tell you that, but um, no. Kim Santos thought it was doing it for my baby. It is not doing it for my baby. No. There is no... Tonight's the night? <gasps> by who? Tonight's the night by, you know, him. By... Uh, Rod Stewart. Tonight's the night! Yes! Oh, we got right. one. Thank goodness. I've redeemed myself. That's how you play. See? <laughs> And that's see, oh, it's, that's really hard. That's yeah. really hard. Here it picks up. Here it picks up again. Yeah. 
It's all in French. <laughs> I, I have no, no idea. No wonder it's hard for yeah. me. I hate the French. <laughs> I hate so the there French. you go. <laughs> yes. Most of the French hate themselves, so it works out nice. <laughs> so that was one for you, nil for the audience. And my audience is usually better than that, especially this game we haven't played in a while. Wow. Um, but here's, here's one. This song's almost brand new. It's maybe seven, eight months old. See if you can do this. Oh, one. This oh one up. Uh, here we go. Trouble. You ready? Yeah. Kind of bass. I know exactly what it is. What is it? If I can put a name to it. Oh, come on. Uh, well, because you're not playing, you're not online. Kim Santo thought it was talk dirty to me, but she didn't. That's didn't. what I thought. Yeah, it's, but she didn't guess the uh, the uh, the performer though. Oh, it's um, oh, golly, uh, it's not J Rule, right? <laughs> it's oh, you're close though. There's a J Am in I? it. There's a J in it. <laughs> There's a J in it. That's good. Kim thought it, Kim Santo thought it was rude. Rude by night. No, it's not. Uh-huh. It's, it's just talk dirty. Just talk dirty to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just talk dirty. And uh, let's see. If I give you a first name, can you give me the last? Here we go. It's, sure. It's Jason. Oh, Jason. Um, Dick- yeah. Dickens. No, not Dickens. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not Dickens. not Scrooge. Oh, that's the tip of my tongue. Um, Jason, Jason the Rule. Dick, what is uh, it? Derulo? Jason Derulo. Okay, I was close. Jason Derulo. Now I'm going to confess to tell you the only reason I know that song is because um, they did a late night version of it with Kevin Spacey and um, uh, Jimmy, what's his name, doing four part barbershop harmony of it. That's the only reason I know that song. <laughs> That's it. It was Jason. So you are up two to nothing. A lot of times. I, I, I don't know if I had that one, but okay. No, you did. You said Jason right. Derulo. You got All that. Right. You got it. Yeah, Kim actually said "Rude by Night" did a cover of it, and uh, cover doesn't really count because I play the actual song. So you actually may sweep my audience. I don't know. You could. I don't know. This I, could happen. I, I, I don't know. I'm I'm at sea. Let's let's find out what's right. next. Here's the third one. Thirty-four seconds worth of saxophone on this one. Oh man. Oh, you should get this one. This is your demographic all over. It. Any guesses? No, your li- your listener. I bow to your listener. I, I don't have anything for that one. It is New York State of Mind by Billy Joel. Ow. You know, and I almost said that. I yep. almost said that. All right. Well, now I'll be free to trust myself. Yes. But I'll tell you what, since you got it wrong. Okay, moving on. Yeah, we got to move yes. on. <laughs> okay. All right. New York State of Mind by Billy Joel. Yes, even Amy... Delario, I can't even pronounce her last name. Do you know Amy Del Delario Sheridan? I certainly do. You do. She's listening. You have a stalker. 
Oh, I can't believe she's yeah. listening in. She is a stalker. Hi, she's got she's got three <laughs> names. All serial killers have three names. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know something? Your name. And I'll go over this later. But I have no middle name. Did you know that? I did not know I that. Have How no did that happen? Name. Well, because my father had no middle name. <laughs> but you must have a confirmation name. Uh, Anthony. I think. There you go. I knew you had something in I there. think it's Anthony, but my brother's middle name is Anthony. He's also listening. And Amy said, hi, JT, and then a little smiley face. I'm telling you, she's hi, Amy. she's stalking. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> and you know something? So the listening audience is catching up rather quickly. It is now 2-1. Yes. I know you can get this one. This is your demographic, too. This is 29 seconds worth of saxophone. Here we go. Okay. Is that Moon? Is it Moon Dance? By? Uh, I don't know who it's by. I just know it's Moon Dance. Darn. It is Moon Dance. Oh, Kim Santo just nailed it. Ah. You get. Oh. Okay, moving on. It's Van Morrison Moon Dance. Uh, yeah, I, I, I know the song. I couldn't have said it was Van Morrison. So good for you, listener. Yes. Good for you. Even my brother got it. He just put Van. It's <laughs> close enough. <laughs> Amy got it. Van Morrison. Everybody got it. They just smoked you on that one. Wow. Wow. <laughs> All right. Listening audience, catching up in a major fashion. It is now yeah. It is tied We're up. like dead tied here. It's, yeah. dead, it's a dead tie. So here's the last one. It's going to be tricky. 31 seconds worth of saxophone. You ready? Yes, I am. Here we go. It is not bad to the bone. Amy said it was George Thurgood in the story. Destroyers. Everybody saying bad to the bone. If you guess this, the song. Just guess the song, JT. Just guess the song. Oh my brother. My I br- couldn't hear the song for the commentary, so... <laughs> oh, it's... Ready? Everybody got it. It's George Thorogood and the Destroyers. I drink alone. Yeah! Wow! Wow! Well, your listening audience clearly superior when it comes to saxophone solos than I am. Well, and I, I bow to them. No, it's actually fairly close. You were off to a really good start, and then just. St- Totally blew the dickens out of it. <laughs> and then and then Amy tuned in, and that was that. Yeah. Golly. Yeah. And, you know, she's got a lot of spare time, just, you know, with whittling and staring at you through binoculars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get a lot of that here in town. So, so JT, I'm going to tabulate the scores uh, just to make sure that I didn't miss anything. And when, okay. we, come, when we come back, I... <laughs> <laughs> Amy said, "Nice, Mark." Um, now, apparently, now she's going to stalk me. I don't care. I could use the attention. 
At least what that's what the voices tell me. Um, so we're going to take our third and final break. and we come back, we're going to wrap it all up uh, with J.T. Turner, wonderful actor, and uh, I'll tabulate the scores. You're listening to Radio Irregardless. We'll be right back. Love food and wine? Get to know Salem Mass in a fun and delicious way. Join me on a Salem food tour. Our five-star rated walking tour gives guests the perfect opportunity to enjoy an afternoon with friends or co-workers. Great for locals and visitors, our tours book in advance and can be crafted for your special event. For more information on our tours and to make reservations, please visit us at SalemFoodTours.com. To leave a question or comment, call the Radio Irregardless hotline at 978-219-9294. And we're back at Radio Irregardless. And ladies and gentlemen, I tabulated the scores and... uh, uh, it was close. Uh, it was really close. So, but you know, three to two sounds so lonely. So, what I'm going to do is say that the listening audience scored one million and one points, and JT, you got one million points. So, lost only by one. Wow. That's yeah. Good. That's yes. close. That was that's very, very that's, close. It's very close. It's hard to get a million yeah. points in this game. It's really tough. Yeah. No, I, uh, those, those are you know numbers <laughs> I can I can hang some pride on. Yeah. Good. You putting up some numbers, Quinn. <laughs> So, JT, before I, uh, I let you go, uh, and once again, uh, your information is up there. You are at jtturner.org. Uh, Facebook, if you want to follow him, uh, Amy, as always. Uh, <laughs> it's JT Turner, all one word, on Facebook, and JT Turner Actor on Twitter. So follow him on Twitter and Facebook and all that. And uh, before I let you go, a couple things. First thing I want to do is, now um, we've known each other a while. You've been doing this a long time. You're very talented and very successful in everything you do. In the repertoire or the entire experience you have, I like to play this with all my listeners, whether they're civilians or actors or comics and musicians. I like to play gigs, best, worst, and first. Um, I always like to ask somebody about the first time they actually got into the their first job, their first gig, um, their best, uh. their best uh, performance, their best gig, and then of mm. course their worst, safe, saved for last, because the worst is usually a better story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so JT, if you wouldn't mind, please tell me and my listening audience your first best and worst acting stories. All right. Well, uh, my, my first is kind of a funny story. So I was in grade school. We were doing a, um, an, a Robert Frost poem, Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening. We were doing a dramatization of that. My friend uh, Steve Woods played the man, Stopping by the Woods. My friend Dave Curland played the head of the horse that the man stops with. And that left one role for me. So I literally started my career <laughs> as the back end of a horse. You mean so you mean the horse's are, ass? <laughs> there are those that would say I have not progressed terribly far since grade <laughs> school. But, <laughs> but I, I, I leave that to the public to judge. So you start my, you started as an ass and you finish and, I, and you finish as a Dickens. <laughs> <laughs> You're not, you're, you're not, you're not dirty. Yes, you're moving forward. 
least I'm moving forward you in know, life. See, right? see, you're keeping it clean, and I'm the one trying to filth it up a little bit. So. <laughs> So you started your acting career as uh, yeah. a horse's ass, which is actually... I, d- I did. I you did. know something? Coincidentally, you play Ben Franklin, but my first acting, my ever, my yeah. very first acting thing, is I played Benjamin Franklin in a play in uh, fifth grade. And originally, I was supposed to play um, Colonel North uh, for the British, and I really oh, wanted the yeah. role. And my friend Fred Buckley... And it's the it's the things, the weird things you remember. Fred right. Buckley got the role of, of, of North, and I was like, I want that. They go, no, we want to make you Benjamin Franklin. I go, Benjamin Franklin sucks. I, don't, <laughs> I probably didn't say sucks, but I thought it. Um, but I played Benjamin Franklin, so we're yeah. we're combining all these things at once. So your first acting gig, you were in school, and you played the, yeah. the back end yep. of the horse. I did. I did. It's it's all true. It's all true. All right, and, and now the uh, the best story. Ah, uh, you know, I I'd have to say one of my favorite roles, of, and and you you've already brought it up, is playing Ben Franklin in 1776 mm. um, at the Lyric Stage Company. It had um, it was a terrific cast. It was a terrific production. And there was just something about that role. It just really resonated with me. It really was one of the things that, that inspired me to go off and write my, my, my one-man show about Ben Franklin and tour around with that. That uh, show was just so powerful, so tight, great cast. And, and working at the Lyric, which is the sweetest little theater in a little, in, you know, mm. downtown Boston <laughs> theater seats about 250. Yeah. Um, just a great space to work with. So I was, I was certainly among my best um, stage experiences, I would have to say. And it made it the best because of the production or how did, how long was the run? Was the audiences? What yeah, made it? It, was, it, was, it was like a perfect storm for me. It was a great role. It was a great cast, terrific director, audiences loved it I, I believe we extended it and um just just the character just resonated with so many people it was kind of kind of funny i'll tell you a terrible horrible story that's also funny related to that so we have to go do a photo shoot okay so i'm dressed as ben franklin oh, is this is this dressed. part of the worst story or this is a segue off the best story this is a segue off the best story. Okay. It's actually kind of funny. Um, and there's a guy playing Thomas Jefferson, and we're going to do a photo shoot at the Old South Church, and we're cutting across Copley Square, and there was some sort of protest uh, against China, I believe, or, or some Southeast Asian country, and there were literally people seated on the ground with photographs of, like, relatives that they had lost. And there were probably 100, 150 of them seated, you know, uh, a little bit apart. And it was very dramatic, and all the news crews were there. And I'm walking by, you know, dressed as Ben Franklin, and I've got the wig on. And, uh, yeah, I, I do look a lot like Ben Franklin, if you give me the right hair. And we're walking through Copley Square, and a couple people that are seated as part of this protest say something akin to, Ben Franklin! And they start to get up. Probably at least 90% of the people seated at this protest stood up, left the pictures on the ground, and came over to have their pictures taken with Ben Franklin. And it was just one of the strangest moments of my life is somehow I had interrupted this, you know, very serious, very somber protest just because I showed up as Ben Franklin. So, yeah. 
It's There's something about Ben. People like him. People like him. It's funny you actually with the Ben Franklin thing, and then you're in public. I had to do a thing for Quincy for the city of Quincy. They were celebrating like their 250th anniversary or something like that, and we they dressed me up as I did makeup for like four hours, five hours. They dressed me as John Adams. And, ah. and they had me in, on, we did a bunch of different vignettes and they had them all around this, uh, this, um, hallway, this, uh, function room. And we did a main intro where I had to do this whole thing. These were all one take shots. Um, yeah. and then we yeah. did them at the auction. We, and they had TVs everywhere so that wherever you went, you would see my face doing different things. And then they had one of these things in the bar and John Adams progressively gets drunk and drunk and drunk and more and more drunk. And, <laughs> And you said Thomas Jefferson, and this, and I had I just put it on the the chat line. It's me as John Adams, where he gets so drunk. His opening line is, "He's not here, is he? You know who, Jefferson." <laughs> and he gets so, and you would think, you know, and Franklin had his things too, but it's just it was my modern take on it. So that's I, great, that's great. So when you said Jefferson, I went, "Oh my God, that was full." And Franklin, everybody got along with Franklin, but yeah, Franklin was kind of a prick, wasn't he? Uh, no, well, you know, he 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 was considered like uh, the founding father. You could go sit down and have a beer with and talk to. You know, everyone else was George Washington is godlike. Uh, uh, you know, John Adams is is, is sawed off and very very puritanical, um, and uh, Jefferson was a little bit on the austere side to people. But Franklin was like your next door neighbor that you could sit down and have. Yeah, great conversation with. Good mediator. So, uh, yeah, I, the, I think people like him. The yeah. good mediator. Yeah. I always thought he was, I thought he was, like, he always wanted to be, like, even when I remember the, what I played him as, um, he was mediating all the time. He was like, exactly wasn't, he, right. wasn't he the ambassador at one point? Yeah, he was the ambassador to France, and uh, that's what it was. You know, we look at uh, we look at our constitution. Here's Franklin, eighty years old. They're having the constitutional convention. He freely admits he loved the constitutional convention because he never had such good sleep in his life as when the other <laughs> politicians were talking. And, and here's here's the big argument, right? People are saying every state should have a vote based on how many people live in it population. Yeah. And a whole nother group of people are saying, no, 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 every state should be equally represented. And it was Franklin that you know, very quietly and diplomatically said, well, why don't we do both? Which is why we have you know, a house in the Senate these right. days. Thanks, thanks to Uncle Ben. So you're exactly right. He was the sort of person who would try to you know, just very gently nudge people and come up with some sort of middle ground to get some progress. Seventeen, 1700s Dr. Phil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So your worst story. I love that. Uh, That's a good story about getting photographed. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, a walk, story. Walk, walking through a protest and then like, oh, oh it's Ben Franklin. Why is it? <laughs> like it's actually I, fucking Ben Franklin, you morons. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Let me put down this picture of a dead relative and go get a photo op with with, with Ben Franklin. Franklin. Um, I, I, it's hard for me to to come up with a terrible one, but in in my family, my my son is an actor as well, and we have a little, we have lots of little family sayings between us about the business. Oh, hold on, hold on and, a second, hold on. Yeah. your your son is an actor. He is. Did you yeah. not Did you not talk to him? 
I, you, you know, know I, and, I, and I'm like, are you sure this yeah. is what you want to do with your life? Yeah. He, and, said, he, said, acting's, yeah. he yeah. said, acting's not a choice. It's who I am. It's like, oh, God, I wish you were gay. I wish you were gay. It'd be easy to process. <laughs> it's fine. And I, yeah, just, uh, yeah. I just offended everybody, but that's the purpose. No, no, no. You, and, and, he's a, and he's a darn good actor, too. I will I'm say sure. That. So, uh, so we have all these little sayings, uh, you know, as, as an acting family as we are. And uh, one of the things we say, if we're doing a bad show, if we're involved in a show that's not terrific, mm-hmm. or we're having a really rough night at rehearsal, one of us will turn to the other and we will say, at least I'm not doing murder mysteries at Bickford's. <laughs> and we say that because I did a murder mystery at Bickford's. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those surprise tours that oh, people in no. you know, communities, they get on the bus. It's a mystery. They drive to Bickford's pancake house. Oh, uh, do I know the booker? I think, I think I know the booker. murder mystery there. Yeah. I know the booker? There's, <laughs> there's people had no interest in either pancakes, murders, nor acting. It was oh. a terrible, terrible gig. So, oh, to this day, I look at my son and say, yeah, at least we're not doing a murder mystery at Bickford's. Uh. So, there you go. <laughs> so, that helps us keep our life in perspective on the stage, I suppose. A guy I used to work with all the time, he was... He he was so he was super cynical, but he was so cynical it was hysterical. And we'd be outside because I used to do engineering work. I'd be outside all weather, cold heat, mosquitoes, bugs, everything, snow, whatever. And we'd be out there, and it would be downpouring. It would be downpouring. And be like, we can't do this. It's going to be miserable. <laughs> He'd look at me and go, Well, at least it ain't raining. <laughs> I'm like, and I went, you want to call him a dick, but then he's like, well, you can't because it's funny. You got to, before I let you go, tell me a little bit, like the, the any of the details about murder mystery at Bigfoot's? Uh, it was a, a Western theme. No! <laughs> yes, it was a cowboy murder mystery. Uh, of course I, it was. I, I played a Mexican bandit. <laughs> Because, as you know, I look extremely Mexican. Oh, my God. I've got that Latin blood. <laughs> and my my name was El, uh, El Guano Grande. <laughs> Big lizard. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. That was, Wait a minute. That guano. Was, Wait a minute. Guano is, is batshit. It certainly is, That's- yes. <laughs> Wait a minute. El Guano Grande. <laughs> oh, you were bad shit. You were big bad shit. <laughs> I thought you said Iguano. I was like, Iguano. Oh, no, it's it's Guana. Iguana. <laughs> guano, yes. El oh, Guano my God. Grande. And what was, yeah. the, what was the name? It's going to get better. What was the name of the murder mystery? I, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> it, was, it was lame because I, I, I don't even remember. It oh, my like God. Death on the Pecos or something <laughs> like that. And, was, you know, it, it was oh everything. My it was every horrible thing you can imagine <laughs> it was. Yeah. We're featuring J.T. Turner as El Cuano Grande, oh the Mexican God. bandit. What the well. fuck? That is a great story. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, that uh, is and, and just as a side note, one of the actors did not show up. Of, of so course. literally took a cook out of the kitchen 
and handed him a script. And he read it like he was reading the phone book, and not in a good James Earl Jones way. Oh, my God. Yeah. That was that was yeah the low point of my life. Thank oh, you for reminding me of that, Mark. Holy Thank shit! You. No, but that's that's the see, but that gave everybody a lot of pleasure. That's why it's we laugh at our pain as yes, performance. We as performance, we have to laugh at our pain, and our pain gives other people pleasure, and therefore we make more pain <laughs> to give other people. Like that's that's comedy, right? That's comedy, fucking gold. Yeah, that that was, that was oh that my was, god. So that was probably the worst. That, that is beautiful. So. Yeah. That being said, now I know uh, you know I just went over the fall, the October here, and then of course Christmas is coming, and the trolley and things like that. Um, before I let you go, what uh, the other thing I want to get to? What do you got coming up that people should go see and and have you involved in, or anything, any pet projects or any big events coming up for you over the next couple months? Yeah, or so? yeah. Well, of course I'll I'll be in Christmas Carol at North Shore Music Theater. We open I think it's December third, and we play right through the end of December. Yes, that's my competition. Lots, lots of shows, and in addition. <laughs> to that i will be doing my one-man show right now i'm scheduled to do it here in ipswich i believe it's december 7th and then in north andover at trinity church on december 14th so right now those are the only firm bookings but if you keep an eye on the website because we've got a couple of places that are are that we're negotiating with uh, currently all right yes and again the website is jtturner.org yeah and it's and the thing I never knew. It's like I thought it was JT, but the T is for Turner, and the J is your first name, right? Uh, it is T Turner. It's James Thomas Turner. Oh, okay. So it is. Yeah. I always yeah. thought the T stood for Turner, <laughs> but then again, we yeah. we were introduced at a Bickford's. Uh, yeah. so- <laughs> Yes, and I still remember how right. delicious those pancakes you made yes. me were yeah, before if, we put you in the show. Yes. If, if I thought the rehearsal was going to be more than that, I would have read a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, JT, thank you so much for coming on Radio Oregon. Oh, it's, Mark, it's so, this has been so much fun. I can't thank you. Oh, I'm glad. Now yeah, you, I appreciate it. Now you have to be a regular listener, and, uh, of course, we'll get uh, we'll get your stalker, Amy, to be a regular listener as well. Um, Done deal. Done but, deal. but ladies yeah. and gentlemen, you've listened. Uh, you uh, this, this has been J.T. Turner, a phenomenal actor. Go to his website, follow him on Twitter, uh, follow him on Facebook. All the information is in the chat. And, J.T., again, it's been a pleasure. And I, I wish we could actually work together again soon, but you're off doing all your Franklin, Dicklin, Dicklins, and Frost, and, and I'm over here <laughs> telling jokes out of a... F- Fucking back room of a house in Salem. I don't know what's happening around here. So, but JT, it great. will come around. It, it always does. It will. But thanks, yeah. thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank man. you, brother. I appreciate it. All right. Have a great night. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye. Ladies and gentlemen, that was JT Turner. Oh my God, that fucking story. <laughs> Murder mysteries at the Bigfords. Not the strangest conversation. That is normal, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen. That is normal. That is not. Oh, uh, this is this is gonna. This happens all the time to actors and comics and musicians. And uh, that's why, uh, if you're new to the show, um, tune in every Wednesday at 9 uh, p.m. Uh, Eastern, uh, sorry, 9 p.m., 8 Central for my West Coast listeners. So you always get the uh, time uh, time zones right. But we always have uh, actors, comedians, um, performers. Say so we've had a couple civilians. We had a winemaker on. We had, he was a professor, actually, a biochemist. I don't know what Jason's actually... 
you know what his thing was but uh let's check the old let's look at the phone no phone messages thank goodness let's say let me double check because sometimes that's a tricky sitch so let's do this tricky sitch let's see who if anybody has left me an email uh on the radio irregardless hotline let's see let's go right to the email and the lines are clean all right the lines are clean that means no phone calls no emails which means i get to go home a little early and i live here so that works out nice so it's all the way around. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you are around on Friday night, um, I would love it if you came up because uh, came up to Portland, Maine, where I'll be at the Gold Room telling jokes up there. Uh, and I was up there a couple weeks ago and I was filling in for somebody. And it's a great room, fantastic place. Um, I actually have Saturday night off because um, I had some a clerical booking error. So if you need somebody to tell jokes and you're willing to pay me, I would be coming to your house uh, as long as... I've done it. I've performed in living rooms before. Not a Bigfords. I won't do a fucking Bigfords. It just ain't gonna happen. Um, But ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to Radio Irregardless, your non-standard blend of irrespective and regardless. My name is Mark Scalia. Next week, comedian Tim Hughes. We'll see you next week. This has been Radio Irregardless, hosted by Mark Scalia, your non-standard blend of irrespective listening and regardless enjoy. Radio Irregardless was written, directed, and produced by Mark Scalia and broadcast live from Salem, Massachusetts via Mixler.com. I'd like to thank my on-air guests, courtesy of Skype, and all the online listeners for their comments. The Radio Irregardless theme music, If Only I Had a Pen, was written and composed by Derek Dupuis. All material and content, property of MS Enterprises, and copyrighted 2014. Thank you for listening. And finally, anyone who uses the terms irregardless, a whole nother, or all of the sudden shall be sent to a work camp.